So this morning I've invited uh, several people to help me with something and uh, I'd like to invite them to uh, stand at, at this moment. You can kind of look around too if you'd like. <clears throat> Don't they uh, look spectacular wearing these glasses? Uh, Julie. So I have a question for you. Would you please share with us this morning how things are looking to you? They look blue. Are you sure? Everything looks blue. Just pretty much blue. Regina, Regina good morning. What do you see? How do things look? Purplish? Everything looks purple. They don't look purple to me, but... Mr. Strecker. Yellow. Yellow. Where'd that pronunciation come from? <laughs> Everything looks yellow. How about you, Sue? It is red. You sure about that? Okay. And then finally, how about you, Elton? <laughs> how do things look? Green, okay, green. Very, very. It's not easy, V. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. Thank you all. <laughs> so, thank you all very much. A pretty silly example, but hopefully it illustrates something in a very tangible way we may remember, and that is that the color of the lenses we have on determines the color of how we see things. And we have a set of lenses on, it can be hard to imagine seeing things in a different way. And sadly, in fact, when we have a particular set of colored lenses on, lenses on we may even have, think that there is only one way to see something. Well, all this, I believe, serves as an apt metaphor for something of vital importance, and that is that every day you and I have lenses through which we see life. And all of what I've said about colored lenses applies to many other kinds of lenses as well. If I put a lens on in the morning that says people are negative, guess what? That's what I'll see throughout the day. If I put on a lens in the morning that says people are pretty darn nice, I'll see lots of nice people that day. If I put on a lens that says gratitude, I'll have a very different experience than if I put on a lens that says complain. And there are countless other lenses, aren't there? Just think for a moment about them. The lens of I'm old, I'm young, I'm liberal, I'm conservative, I'm flexible, I'm stagnant, fear, trust, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And again, when we wear lenses, it is hard, if not impossible, to see things from a different perspective, unless, of course, we are intentional and open. You see, whether or not we're aware of it, each of us here this morning make conscious or not so conscious choices about what lenses we wear in life, and those lenses affect everything. Everything from the decisions we make to how we act, to our emotions, our outlook, and our relationships with other people. All such things come from our lenses. And like it or not, there are many ways to see the same thing. That said, there's one lens that I sometimes struggle mightily with. I know it is the right lens to put on. I know that every day in my life would be different if I chose to partic 
to put on this particular lens when my feet hit the floor in the morning. I know if I wore this lens intentionally each day, I would experience more joy, less stress, a sense of release, less judgmentalness, more love and kindness, and a greater sense of purpose. If I would just put this lens on each morning and left it there regardless of what comes my way on any given day. And what I'm talking about is the lens that says, everything in my life, everything about my life, everything in this world is God's. Said more simply, if I started each day putting on the lens that says, it all belongs to God, everything that I experience today, everything and everyone, all belongs to God. Boy, would things be different. Love the line, which was shared earlier from Psalm 24, from one version of the Bible, it says, God claims earth and everything on it. God claims the world and all who live on it. All who live on it, not some who live on it. All who live on it. Everything belongs to God. And so I have to ask myself as I've thought about this, do I believe this? Do I really accept this and trust this or just kind of and sometimes? I also have to ask myself, to what extent do I fully embrace what we find at the beginning of the book of Genesis? In chapter 1, we all know the words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the question here is not whether or not God created everything in a literal seven days. The real question, regardless of how things happened over billions of years, is do we believe that God created everything? And if there was a Big Bang, was God behind it? Is God our creator? Do we believe that? This is one of the most fundamental questions in life, because if we believe God is our creator, and more importantly, if we live by this, such a God-created everything lens of seeing the world transforms everything. And what follows is another life-changing question I referred to a moment ago, and that is if God created everything, then is everything God's? Does everything, does everyone, I mean everything and everyone, belong to God or not? While such a question may seem obvious to some of us, the real question, assuming we answer in the affirmative, is to what degree do we really live by this? Is everyone God's? If my life is spent embracing, trusting, and living by the idea that everything belongs to God, my life is going to be entirely different than if I kind of, or sort of, or once in a while, or apply this truth to only some areas of my life. Let me be specific just to give us some examples. Is nature which surrounds us God's? Is it? How are we going to treat it then? How about the abilities and talents that we have? Are they, are they God-given? Do we view them as coming from God or just coming from our hard work and genes? How about our success? Is it God's? Do we act as if our success is God's? How about our family? Is our family from God? Is our, our partnerships from God? Are our marriages from God? Are our children from God? Are our friends from God? Are the people with whom we just fundamentally disagree from God? Do we act like it? 
nor is my life just a function of circumstance or luck or me and my efforts. And the one thing that I think is such a relevant question is to what extent do we treat and relate to strangers who are vastly different from who we are? Do they belong to God? How about time itself? How we spend it? Is it God's time to spend or my time to spend? How about our assets? How about our bank accounts, the cash in our pockets? Is it God's kind of, sort of? Oh boy, I have a hard time with this next one. How about our bodies? Do we treat our bodies as if the Spirit of God is within them? How about our homes and where we live? Jesus one day said this. Basically he said, Build your life on God because everything is God's anyway. And then in one version of the Bible, it goes on to say, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build your life upon. Time for straight talk. Like it or not, I believe God created everything and I believe everything and everyone belongs to God, but there are moments, days, Occasions, sometimes in my life when I hold back and I'm just not acting that way or treating people that way or making decisions as if that's what I really believe. I'm a work in progress. Maybe you are too. But I know I've got to work on this if I'm going to take Jesus seriously. Because if I'm going to take Jesus seriously, then my life, my actions, and my words how I treat every human being needs to reflect that everything and everyone belongs to God. Now, I think the only person that ever really got this was Jesus. And he got crucified for it. You see, because the religious people then and now don't really like to assume that everyone belongs to God. Now, the point of all this is not to make us feel deficient, guilty, feeling less than. The goal here is not to diminish who we are or make us feel bad. I certainly don't want any of us to feel yucky. The point is actually quite the opposite, in fact. The point of all this is really about a wonderful, glorious, upbeat, exciting, loving invitation from God to work individually and together on something as followers of Jesus. And that is to work together and individually on li- learning to live by the truth that everything and everyone belongs to God. And the more we do this, there is no question in my mind, the more we will discover the life that God has in mind for each of us. God adores you and loves you and wants the best for you and to have an amazing, purpose-filled, joyful, and love-filled life And God knows that the path to get there is to make the difficult choice every day to put on the lens that says it all belongs to God. But that's not the message we hear in our culture from all over the place. Now there's a great word. It's a word that's been around for a long time. Sadly, it's been misused by some, but that said, it's a great word if we truly get what it means and embrace its implications. That word is stewardship. Now some people think the word is about money or a church asking about money. It's a sad misconception. 
Stewardship is about a life principle. It is about a life principle that will upend our lives in an astonishing way that will transform everything. Stewardship comes from a word that means to manage or care for something on someone's behalf, to manage or care for something or on someone's behalf. Stewardship, as some have said, is the careful, intentional, responsible management of something entrusted to our care. And fundamentally, your life and my life right now reflect what we believe about stewardship. Does everything and everyone in my life belong to God, and therefore am I managing my life and everything in it on God's behalf? Or do I believe that God just entrusts me with some things and some people some of the time? Or do I believe none of this has anything to do with God? And if I believe it's all God's, I will be careful, intentional, responsible, and taking care of everything and everyone on God's behalf because everything and everyone belongs to God. And again, God's wonderful invitation to each of us is to work on becoming precisely that kind of steward. Our well-known reading today is from Luke, from the parable of the sower. There are lots of ways to look at this story. I've heard many sermons you have too on it. But I thought today I'd just like to very briefly look at this parable through the lens of stewardship. Now in the story, as we know, seeds are planted in four different areas. And for a moment, to help us picture a path outside in nature, perhaps even something here in Snowmass Village or in the surrounding area. And in the story, there's a sower or a person who plants seeds. And with the first seeds in hand, the sower scatters seed along the path itself. But the path is hard and trampled down and nothing can grow on it. Some of the seed, however, is scattered next to the path in an area with small gravel. Now, some seed might just sprout if there's a summer rainstorm, but when it's all said and done, the soil is not right. It's just too gravelly. Some seed is spread in the weeds that grow just a few feet out from the center of the path on the other side of the gravel. The soil is more porous for sure, but the weeds are so tall that the sun is blocked from reaching the ground, and so the seeds really don't have a chance once they sprout, if they do. And finally, some seed is spread far out from the path, past the gravel and the weeds. There the soil is rich and the ground is receptive. And with rain and sun, soon the seeds sprout and they grow and grow, producing a magnificent array of color. Again, looking at this briefly from a stewardship perspective, there's so many ways we can choose to live. Here are just a few. Not perfect descriptions, but just a few. One way to live is to largely discount God altogether, if God exists, and that's a pretty big if. Then God's kind of an actually interesting idea, but doesn't really have much to do with anything in my life. Life's about me, my work, my talents, my abilities, what I am able to accomplish. I'm at the center of my universe. I am on my own path, I have my own path, and don't interfere with my path, it's my path. Sometimes evil has something to do with that. Another way to respond is this, I believe in God, I know God is out there, but my life experience tells me that God's not really quite so relevant. God may be present, but doesn't seem to have much to do with my life. Sure, God may very well be my creator, but being practical is what's important. I need to be practical. 
And when things get rocky for me, I'll turn to maybe God. Then there's a way of living that says, God is my creator. I trust in God. I believe in God. I'm responsible. I do what is good in life. I take care of my family. I work hard. I raise my kids. I take care of my parents. I save for retirement. I have my priorities, though. My priorities are really important. I do try and take God into account some of the time. Faith is an important area of my life. Sometimes things compete with God, if I'm honest with myself. And then there's a way of responding to the idea that everything is God and everyone is God. And living this way affects how I treat people, everybody, how I work, how I view my abilities, allows me to relax and be at peace. I don't judge, I forgive, I'm very humble. And when I have problems, I know they're God's to handle with, handle with me. So I don't worry much. I'm generous, I don't hold, I don't hold on to things tightly. I'm responsible, but it comes out of this sense of taking care of what God has given for me to take care of. I'm grateful. I build my life on God. As I think about these four ways of being in others, I believe more likely than not there is a little of each of these ways of being within each of us. There is within me, at least. And again, this is not about making us feel less than or bad or guilty or deficient. None of us has this faith thing down pat. And I pray that the chapel continues to be the place where we can bumble through this challenge of living as if everything and everyone belongs to God. And I believe, however, that the more we strive each day to put on the lens that I'm talking about, the more each of us will experience a life in which we more fully discover contentment, freedom, Release, peace, generosity, stability, purpose. Being a difference maker, selflessness. A sense of incredible groundedness, profoundly deeper relationships, better health. Really very little anger. Accepting of differences, flexibility. And a life characterized by a profound love of God and each other. To name just a few. So I'm going to continue this next week because I want to talk about what I believe different areas of our lives might look like the more we embrace the lens that says it all belongs to God. I want to look at what our lives might look like in terms of our bodies, our friends, our families, our children, our vocation, the chapel, time, money, our heartaches, our pains, our struggles. But in the meantime, I invite you, each of us to do something over the days ahead. And that is for each of us to do some honest work and explore what lenses we really are wearing in life. We all are wearing them. How do they affect and impact us? What do others see about us as a result of the lenses we wear? Where are we with the lens? It all belongs to God. Do we even have that lens? Do we put it on? How might things be different? These are not easy questions, but I invite you to ponder them and to struggle with them and just to keep that phrase, everything and everyone belongs to God. Just settle in your mind and see what comes up this week in terms of how you think about things, your challenges, your problems, 
your blessings, your friends, your enemies, strangers you encounter. It's been causing me to pause a lot this week. So let us pray.